This is the Sales Development Podcast, powered by TenBound, hosted by David Denver. My name is James Bodden, here to introduce episode 213, featuring Jillian Mooney, manager of mid-market sales at Rocket Reach. David and Jillian kick off this fantastic episode discussing how Jillian has managed a recent hectic schedule, both personal and professional, as she's starting her new role at Rocket Reach and how she's ramped over the last six months. Great advice for anybody who's dealing with change, which is pretty much everybody listening. So great way to start the episode. The convo dives right into how Rocket Reach's core values empowered Jillian to be an empathetic leader and how that's shaped her leadership style as a whole. At the 15 minute mark, Jillian shares her thoughts on addressing specific objections during the sales process and gives advice on how to lean into those objections and the importance of being able to go off script when you're dealing with prospects and potential customers. At the 25 minute mark, Jillian and David discuss her thoughts on cold calling and its effectiveness in today's environment. All of you cold calling aficionados out there are going to love Jillian's take on this. And as the episode wraps up at minute 35, Jillian talks about how she coaches her team to become better active listeners. Look, this episode is jam-packed with practical, tactical, and valuable information for SDR leaders, sales leaders, individual contributors, SDRs. You all can gain something from listening to this episode. So if you enjoy, make sure you leave us a five-star rating. Head over to 10bound.com to see what we're up to there. But for now, enjoy episode 213 featuring Jillian Mooney, manager of mid-market sales at Rocket Reach. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. This is David Denver, your host. And today we're speaking to the promotion queen of SaaS, someone that is an empathetic leader that is always holding herself to the highest standards. Please welcome to the show, Jillian Mooney, manager of mid-market sales at Rocket Reach. Welcome to the show, Jillian. Hey, David. I'm super excited to be here. Really excited to chat with you today. No, me too. And I must say, like... For the last few months, your life has been, I don't know what else other word to use besides hectic, right? (laughs) It really has, yes. I've moved from New York City up to upstate New York, working totally remotely, started at Rocket Reach. It's definitely been hectic, but all good things. Yeah, no, for sure. And I even went back as far as, I think it was one of your posts about a month ago, got engaged, like you said, you purchased your first home relocated to upstate, as you just mentioned, and then started a new career at Rocket Reach. I mean, I don't know, or do you juggle by chance? Like actually at the, I wouldn't say the circus, <laughs> that does, that actually sounds bad, but like you've juggled so much. Yes, definitely juggling a lot. Wedding planning now is on the agenda. So that's, yes. that's always fun, but it, it can definitely be a little bit stressful with everyone's opinions involved and all that. But yeah, no, I feel like all good things finally really getting my footing at Rocket Reach and kind of figuring out, you know, the best sales process here and what works and everything like that too. I totally respect that. And I can relate a hundred percent being someone that got engaged, got my first house, actually (laughs) moved to Orlando, Florida. And then on top of that, started a new position, just like yourself here over at (laughs) Tenbound. And it's a lot to take in. So it's like, we're going to have some fun talking about you know, empathy today, talking about your leadership styles. And, you know, even for that, like for in this case, 
your manager, right? Like your manager probably has to have, it all comes downhill, right? Like knowing that you have so many things on your plate, knowing that how much bandwidth and how much you've taken on over at Rocket Reach, like let's really just dive into things and talk about empathy and leadership and really what that means to you and, you know, what that means to the company as a whole. Yeah, definitely. So I'll start with Rocket Reach as a whole. So Rocket Reach actually, first off, has a no asshole policy, which I think is really great to implement. And I know it's something that a lot of people that I work with are really proud of. You know, we want just good people to work with us. So when I first started at Rocket Reach, it's exactly what I saw. Everyone is so understanding. Everyone is so empathetic. Everyone is always willing to help, which is really something special and something that you really don't get in every company that you work for. And in terms of my leadership, I really pride myself on having empathy. So I feel like first, you know, empathy is a soft skill and it's something that a lot of sales leaders, I believe, overlook. So a lot of times it's all about the numbers, all about hitting goal, which is so important, the most important thing. But I think a really great way to inspire your team and to help your team have that drive to achieve is by being that empathetic leader and truly understanding where your team is coming from and you know what they're feeling if they have any burnout, if they're having any issues with the company, everything like that. You know, Give them that time off, lead by example, and take actual time off away from your phone. So I think there's definitely a lot to be said about having empathy, especially in sales leadership, where sometimes it is lacking a little bit. Totally. And so let's just have some fun for a second. And like, I'm going to just paint a picture for you and I'm going to see what your actual thoughts are. I mean, I think this is so important, but when you have a new rep that comes onto your team and you're talking about empathy and learning about them and their why, let's say hypothetically they came from a toxic culture as a leader, like without them, like coming forth and saying those things, how are you really building that upfront contract with them in a sense of being like, hey, like this is, maybe this was your leader's last way that they approach things, but like this is how I like to do things or communicate how we can communicate together. I mean, is there anything that you do specifically that really, you know, allows your team to really build or for them to really build buy-in and, you know, you two kind of have that good building relationship? Yeah. So I think something that I've always tried to do anytime I get a new rep is ask them what they are looking for in a manager. So what did they like that their last manager did? What did they dislike that their Mm -hmm. last manager did? And then it really does paint that picture of, okay, they really like, you know, when someone coaches them, they really like when someone holds them accountable. Of course, you're going to get a mixed response sometimes where it's, (laughs) oh, my old manager used to tell me I had to hit metrics and I didn't want to. Obviously, you know, you have to balance between being empathetic and actually holding someone accountable. But I think it really does help to paint the picture of what they're looking for in a manager. And then you can lay out your expectations as well as a leader. Like, this is what I'm expecting from you. However, you know, I'm very understanding that things happen and that life can come up. So Mm. Something that I always go by is if someone isn't hitting their metrics or whatever for that day or that week, instead of just saying, hey, you need to hit you know, X number of calls a day, X number of emails. It's, hey, so-and-so, why didn't you hit those metrics? Is something else going on that's prohibiting you from being successful at this? Is you know anything going on at home? Is there time management struggles? Like, How can I help you get there rather than coming at it from an accusatory kind of viewpoint? 
No, and I think that's amazing. And, you know, you've built this way of like building organic relationships with folks throughout your career. And, you know, obviously when I did that intro promoting, you know, you being the promotion queen, I think probably getting some context behind that is, you know, if anyone were to take a look at your LinkedIn, I mean, you see that you were over Indeed for what was it four years? Yeah, yeah. Actually, almost five years. Almost five years. You know, when I started. Yeah. So, right. So, like, I'm looking at five years, five promotions. I mean, obviously, you were always up, you know, up leveling. You were leveling up, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. if we talk about that, you know, aspect as being, you know, someone that's been into the weeds or doing the job that your SDRs and AEs are doing today, like, you know, what advice would you ultimately give them? Like, saying, like, hey, this is how I did it. And like, how can you really help them get to the same place that you currently are today? Yeah, I think number one is being open to coaching. So when I first started out in sales, I was fresh out of college. So I knew nothing and I was extremely open to learning. And so what I would do at the beginning is I would just sit. It was in person at that point and we didn't have gong or anything like that. (laughs) So I would just sit and pull up a splitter headset and sit with the best reps at Indeed. And I would sit with them for a couple hours. I would listen to everything they did. I would write down everything they did. And essentially, I kind of created my own talk track just based on the best reps. And obviously, that sounds pretty basic, but I do think that shadowing top and bottom AEs is super important. And you should shadow everyone because you can learn what not to do as well if you're kind of seeing, okay, this does not appear to be working with a lower performing AE or SDR. So I think first and foremost was just being a sponge, being super receptive to feedback. My first manager was great. He taught me so much about selling. So I think that's first and doing your homework, learning as much as you can about the product, learning as much as you can just about the company and kind of how things work and always, I guess, acting like you're in the next position. So when I was a senior AE becoming a team lead, I was already basically acting like a team lead at Indeed. So I would mentor people. I would help with all the new hires. I would let them shadow me. I would write up talk tracks for them. I would help them with objection handling. I would do all of these things just by myself because, you know, I wanted to get promoted and I cared obviously about everyone being successful, but I did want to get promoted. So I essentially acted like a team lead and then, you know, went to our head of sales and said, Hey, this is everything that I've done. And I think I deserve the team lead position. And so, you know, then there was an interview process that followed, but I think just acting like you're already in the next position. So if you're an SDR and you want to become an AE, shadow those calls, understand what it is that the AEs are doing, you know, every single day, understand what bad practices some of these AEs have, I would say, listen to some calls and maybe even formulate some feedback for them. You know, you don't have to give it to them directly, but I think understanding where someone could improve as well is super valuable because you kind of have that insight going into it. So yeah, I would say that those are kind of a few things that I did moving through my career and, you know, getting a bunch of promotions at Indeed, which is really great. And it's something that I hope to do in my future as I go on to hopefully managing managers and moving up. No, that's great. And big, big kudos to you because I can tell not only you're a hardworking individual, but you're very humble. Every time we end up having that conversation, it's always positive. Like you're always just acting in a way that is 
Like, hey, like I'm always looking to learn. You're not trying to seem like you're better than anyone else. Like you just keep your head down, you focus at the task at hand and totally admire that about you. And so, you know, really one of the next questions, you know, I might ask is like coaching as a manager, right? Like kind of the framework that you really talk about. We talk about call coaching, giving the different types of feedback, really being able to set the framework for their success. Like, what does that look like as a manager on your day-to-day when you're coaching your team? Yeah. So something that I try to do is set aside time to listen to calls on Gong, specifically for the people that really need assistance. So something that I will never do is micromanage, like so I can understand what they're doing well, but I'm not someone that's going to be, you know, micromanaging my best rep on the team. So I'd say like, Mainly the people that I'm working on with calls on a regular basis is everyone, you know, that's that's doing okay or that needs some improvement. So I'll try to set aside time to listen to calls. I'll write down all my feedback. And I think one of the biggest things when you're giving feedback to an AE or an SDR, whomever it might be, is coming off in that non-threatening way. So saying, hey, what do you think of the way that you said this? And asking their opinion or how do you think this call went? How do you think this opener went? How could we have changed it to better resonate with the client? So really putting that on the rep, I have seen super good results from that because then they kind of can acknowledge it themselves. They're already more bought into the feedback rather than just coming in and saying, this is what I saw was wrong, this, 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 and this. And it's really easy to fall into that as a manager. You know, I'm definitely guilty of doing that sometimes, but in my ideal coaching sessions, it's really asking the questions of how could we have framed this differently? What else could we have asked here? What else could we have said to close this out? What other closing techniques could we have used? And just letting them really think about it. No, for sure. And so like, I really like the point and I did the same when I was a manager, but SDR is really listening to the AE calls, right? To really diagnose what prospects are saying on the phones or objections that they might end up having. So, you know, with that, I mean, for example, I think it's like one of those things where if something where a prospect is saying they're leveraging X, Y, and Z technology, right? So a lot of the time, AEs and even SDRs, they walk right over that. And that (laughs) really can end up crushing either that they could lose a deal if they don't address that right away and would love to hear you know, your thoughts about that specific piece right there. Yeah. So that's something that I hear so much is, oh, we're using your competitor. And the person says, okay, and moves along from it. To me, when someone says they're using the competitor, that's the golden nugget to really unlock what they like about it, what they don't, what they would change, how their experience has been. And that's really your chance to get all of that information right up front. And I think sometimes this happens with SDRs a lot as well, is SDRs have, you know, a script, which is great. That can really help people stay on task and that can really help guide SDRs, you know, initial phone calls. But I think it's super important to know that we should be actively listening and we should have the capability to go off script if needed. So if someone says something like that, digging into that a little bit more. Help me understand how you've been using XYZ competitor. It's really super important to have that active listening piece down because I think that can be the difference between a good salesperson and a great salesperson. And just having that genuine curiosity. I was talking to a rep on my team the other day. They were you know, trying to figure out what types of discovery questions to ask. And I just said pretty basically, ask questions that you want to know. 
So ask how they're using, you know, Salesforce today, ask how they're using XYZ product, you know, ask questions that you think are important to know and keep it basic and conversational. It doesn't need to be so scripted all the time. For sure. For sure. And I think setting the tone for the call, even it starts as early as the upfront contract, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't expecting your call. That kind of goes back to the Sandler methodology, but also can be mixed in with a little bit of the challenger is like having the upfront contract can be anything, right? Like, hey, I know you weren't expecting my call. Do you have five, 10 seconds to tell you why I'm calling? And you can tell me if I'm remotely in the right area. I mean, there's so many different mm-hmm. ways to position it. And then setting, you know, that, and that's for the SDR side of like the cold call, but then also on the AE side of things, setting the framework of the call. Like, you know, when you and the SDR just ended up, when you spoke, I should say the least, these were a few of the things that you talked about. You know, can you walk me through that? Like, what would the framework be as an account executive before going into the demo? Like, how are your AEs setting that up? Yeah. So I think... The demo preparation is arguably the most important part because this can prepare you for your discovery. So, and I think the discovery is the most important part of any demo because that's really where you're going to find out all that good information that you can throw in at the end as you're closing. So I always say to AEs, obviously strategize and plan, do your research on the company, you know, go into the call knowing exactly what your prospect does understanding how the company makes money, how they would potentially use your product, everything like that. I think that's super important and not enough AEs do that and tell them that you did this. So sometimes I hear AEs that do a lot of research and then they go into the call and they act totally naive to what the customer does because they don't really get how to start the conversation without asking, what do you do? Or what does your company do? Those are things where the prospect will be very impressed that you did your research. So Tell them that you did your research at the start of the call. Clue them in on the research that you did. So Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, I did some research on ABC Corporation. It looks like you're expanding this year. That's super exciting. I see that you sell these widgets to manufacturing companies or whatever. Is this accurate? So I think that's super important to outline to them that you understand exactly what they do and you're going to tailor your pitch to show value to their specific organization. After that, after that, you know, nice intro where you show off all the good research that you did, I think setting an agenda is huge. That's kind of a sales 101, but it is surprisingly something that a lot of reps miss out on. So understand, you know, that your client's time is valuable. And this again goes kind of back to having empathy, you know, put yourself in their shoes. They've dedicated 30, 40 minutes sometimes to this call where they don't really know what's going to happen. And so, you know, sometimes they no-show because they don't see value in it. Sometimes they show up and they're nervous that it's not going to be valuable to them. So by setting an agenda up front can kind of ease those nerves for the client. So set the agenda. It sets up the call for success. And if you were the prospect in their shoes, I know you would probably want to see an agenda as well. 100%. And I mean, you know, when I was account executive, and maybe you've done the same throughout your career, but you know, letting them know specifically that there was 30 minutes or 45 minutes penciled in on for the conversation today and being able to ask like, hey, are we still good for that time? So an additional, another upfront contract. I mean, like, do you think that's a little too much or what's kind of your methodology there? 
No, I think that's great because it assures them that you are respectful of their time and that you won't be running over. And, you know, I think that's super helpful because we've all been there where we want to cut a meeting off. The time is running out, but, you know, the other person just kind of keeps talking and keeps going. So if you set that upfront contract right off the bat, I think that's an awesome tactic as well to reassure the client that you're not going to go over. No, 100%. I agree with you there. I was assuming that you were going to go in that direction. But yeah, no, the worst thing that can happen, and I've been on the both sides of it, where early in my career, I even went over like two minutes, but I'm like, you know, the more season I got, I'm like, holy smokes, like they're probably stacked back to back to back. So like looking at the clock, if we're getting down to that one or two minutes left, being able to once again, set the upfront contract being like, hey, I know we have two more minutes and you've been asking some really great questions, but want to be sensitive to the time today. Like, how have you done that throughout your career? And what would you say to your team right now if they're listening to this? Yeah, I think you're talking about just the time management and setting that up front. Yeah, I'd say the time management, but let's say we're coming down to two minutes left. Two minutes okay. left in the demo, for example. And you still have a lot to cover, but they're asking great questions, but you know they have that hard stop. How right. are you repositioning this? Or what would you want to say to your team specifically that is like, all right, like how would you get that to the next call? Yeah. So if you don't have a hard stop, I would say, hey, you know, I think you're asking a lot of great questions. I don't have a hard stop at, you know, two o'clock. But if you do, then what we can do is we can set up a call for Friday and mm-hmm. we can reconvene on all this. Or if you don't have a hard stop, happy to go over. So if neither of you do have a hard stop, I think it's fine to go over um, as long as everyone's comfortable with it. And it's not just you talking in the prospect, just listening, and then they're not sure what to do. But if it is, you know, their questions and they're engaged and interested, I would say definitely see if they're open to continuing. But something else along lines of scheduling the next call, I think every single call that you have with a prospect or a client, you need a next call on the books, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, whether they say, we're not going to buy for three months. Okay, we will put a time three months down the line on the calendar. If things change, just reach out and let me know. Or if it's, you know, two days from now. And if the client pushes back on that and says, I can't put time in the calendar, I feel like it's good to just say, okay, I totally get that. Why don't we pencil it in as a placeholder? If the time comes and you can't make it, just let me know and I'll move it. But I think it's good to have a placeholder on the calendar so we can touch base and I can make sure that I'm answering all the questions that you have. So that's kind of the back and forth, I would say, about next steps. That is super important and always, always push to get that time on the calendar because if you don't, it just leads to more ghosting from potential clients. Yeah. And that's such a good golden nugget. And for those people that are listening, if you want to go rewind and repress play and grab that pen, that is so, I think a lot of the time I've, at least I've seen folks that don't have that next step and then come to their manager and say, Hey, like they've ghosted me. And then it's like, well, what was the next steps after the call? And like, well, we both were running late to our next meeting. So we didn't really have that next step. Well, okay, like just as you mentioned, it's appropriate to, regardless if you both have to jump to your next meeting of being able to have that next call lined up. Otherwise, you're going to be seeing a lot of Caspers in your future. And that's scary. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely scary. (laughs) So I mean, transitioning, I think this is a hot topic, super, super hot topic and would love you to kind of be able to paint this picture of really what 
cold calling is. I mean, people, some people say, you see it going all the way around on LinkedIn, cold calling, is it dead or, you know, is it not? And one of the takes I got from you, and I think we talk about it offline, is you said cold calling is the new LinkedIn message. And I would love <laughs> to hear how you really dissect this and really what that means to you and your philosophy here behind this. Yes. So cold calling is not dead. And I am very confident in this. You know, I hear everyone's other opinions and I get it. I understand where they're coming from. But cold calling is the new LinkedIn message. When I was first selling back in 2016, not too long ago, but everyone was sending LinkedIn messages and that was how you stood out. So everyone was, oh, I sent a LinkedIn message. I sent a connection request. And now this prospect is getting back to me. And that was great. And it still is great. And it still does help. So I'm not saying LinkedIn is bad. What I am saying is that that was the way you stood out. And now everyone does it. So everyone is sending emails. Everyone is sending LinkedIn messages. Everyone is reaching out through, you know, messaging of some sort. Now, no one's really cold calling. And I see this all the time. I mean, I see my team. I have to really, really put a lot of emphasis on cold calling. But You know, it's really tough because no one is cold calling. So the problem is, is that you lose a sense of personalization if you're not actually picking up the phone and having this person hear your voice. And I know people will come against this and say, Jillian, no one answers when I call. That's fine. That's totally fine. People don't really answer random numbers at this point. Mm -hmm. But what they are doing is they're seeing that you called. They're looking at the transcript of your voicemail. So everyone knows on your phone, you know, you can see the transcript of voicemail or if they're using Zoom phone, it does the same thing. So they're seeing that you, David, has called them and left them a message. So already you're standing out compared to the 10 other SDRs that have called this person today. So they'll know your name, maybe they'll know your company name. And then if you send out an email right after that, you can get their attention. So I think that's super important. And I'm also a big fan of at the end of a voicemail, no need to call me back. I'll send you an email and you can just reply there. So it makes it as easy as possible for the prospect to get back in touch with you. But, you know, they don't have to actually call you back because we know people aren't really answering calls. People aren't really calling people back. Mm -hmm. But I really believe this is the way to stand out in the sales process. 100%. And I think that also ties in. That's a great multi-channel, right? Where you're calling, Mm -hmm. you follow with the voicemail, I mean, would love your take on the video and also text message. I mean, I have my theories as well, but would love to hear like kind of what your head's at of like, what's appropriate in today's world. It's 2022. Like what's the way of doing it within multi-channeling? Yeah. So I was curious. I would love to hear your thoughts on this as well, because I have mixed feelings about texting and video. So I think video is great. I think Vidyard is an awesome product. I'm sure there's some competitors out there that I'm not too aware of. I think it's really super cool and it is a good way to stand out, but it obviously takes some time. So if you're going to make a personalized video for every single person, that's got to be taking up a good portion of your day. I have mixed feelings about video, though I do think it would work, especially for strategic sellers. I think that's super important where they're reaching out to less people, you know, but they need to really personalize to get someone to respond. But for the mid-market and like SMB reps that I manage, I don't know that it's necessary at the moment. And then texting so funny. One of my reps has a ton of success with texting, but he's really the only one on the team that uses it. 
But he'll ask at the end of the demo, he'll say, you know, is it easier if I just text you? And then he'll kind of get that permission from them before starting to text. But I do know other people that do a cold text, you know, at other companies. And I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, but I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, as you said, it it's kind of one of those things, it's a gray area. You have to be very seasoned on how you end up doing it, right? If it's mm -hmm. someone that you've had a conversation with, this is at least from my experience, let's say it got to the point where you've had a conversation with them before, right? After a call. And you got that upfront contract, like it sounds like one of your reps did. That is it okay to communicate that way, like via text? At that point, you know, being able to use or leverage, let's say you're trying to send them a coffee e gift right before the call to like kind of get the show rate, like to send that personalization, getting a text message and coffee. Look, it's a lot better than going to your email because imagine you're going to the coffee shop, all of a sudden you get a text and you click on a link, you say that you're coming from, you know, you're calling from Rocket Reach. So they know it's not going to be, I mean, I guess it could be spam. And then all of a sudden there could be some virus if you click on the link and then all of a sudden, you know, your data, your identity stolen, whatever the case is. But I think it's okay to use it there. I think it's also okay to back check. If you're looking to make sure it's somebody's number that you can ask them specifically, hey, you know, this is David Denver. I'm calling from Rocket Reach in this case you're texting you're not saying i'm calling but your number was in our crm i just wanted to make sure that we weren't dropping the ball on our end our last conversation that we had was with x y and z and they're no longer at this company wanted to see if, the, if you would end up having some time to have a brief conversation once again i apologize if this isn't the best way to communicate with you but did want to at least reach out and introduce myself Something along those yeah. lines, I mean, doing it like that, but also let them know on the gray area if this is a way that you do not want me to communicate with you, I'm okay with that as well. And building the relationship in a way of like, hey, I don't want to drop the ball here. I know we had a conversation with your team and it sounded like the last person in your role was interested in us, right? Like that's like a really good way of being able to be like, oh, wow, like am I dropping the ball on something? And where they get curious. So I think it's good to be able to use it in that way, but randomly being like, hey, hello, is this John? Like that might not be <laughs> like, you know, that might not back them into the corner. They could end up responding back. Yes, this is John. Who's this? Like it, it just might be awkward. So it's doing it in the right way. Obviously, I have a lot of other examples, but the show's not about me. I think you have been doing a phenomenal job. I hear a lot of great things internally about you and your processes and the framework that you've built not only throughout your career, but what you're doing currently. So totally dig what everything that you and your team are doing. So only the most respect. Thanks. Yeah. And I totally agree with what you said about text as well. I think it's super important. Yeah. To have that context in there. I like that, like kind of weaving in the multi-threading of it's okay. This person used to be in this position, or I spoke with this person at your company and you know, that's why I'm reaching out and doing that through text could definitely be effective. For sure. And then I think another piece, at least is to be able to get the sales nav, right? Being able to see who's in your first connections or for the folks that you might have that relationship with, randomly send them a voice message. Not a lot of people do that today. Send them a voice message, see how their day's going, be like, hey, you know what? In my instance, I do have a lot of followers. I do have a lot of connections, but I actually take the time verbatim like every single week where I send about 30 or 40 voice messages a week, just checking in, seeing how people are doing. I mean, we're still... You know, with COVID cases back up on the rise, with 
our economy, like people are not knowing, am I secure in my job? Am I not? Like there's just so much stuff that's going on in people's lives. And if we really pull back that human approach, like there's a lot of stress. So by you just sending a nice message, just no call to action, just saying hi, like, hey, we're connected, you know, love to, you know, learn a little bit more about your position, like however you can like find a way of building rapport. If that's like seeing something that they posted and you can identify with that if it was more of a personal post, just drop them a quick message. Let them know that like, hey, you really like their angle and they talked about building a personal brand. Like that resonated with me and that really inspired me to do X, Y, and Z. No call to action, but your name is going to continue to keep popping up. It's David Denver from 10, in this case for me, David Denver from 10 Bound, David Denver from 10 Bound. All of a sudden, email comes in. Oh, David Denver. Yes. Okay. Finally, your name's going to come up enough to the point where, you know what? I don't know if I need you like or your platform, but I'll listen to you because, you know, you've been very kind. You've shown that empathy. Like you've been really looking at my posts and you saw that I just lost my dog. And for you to even just send me a nice voice note, that really touched me. Right. And that's how you build those organic relationships. Exactly. No, that's such a good point. And I love the voice note idea as well. I think that's really super personal. And that kind of is, you know, another way to allow them to fill your voice, another way to allow them to for you to kind of almost leave a voicemail, so to speak, but in a message form. So no, I, I really like that. And I think it's so true. They might not forget or they might not remember exactly, you know, what you said or exactly the company that you're with, this and that, but they'll remember the name as it keeps coming up. And, you know, that's super important, especially when you're socially selling or even just networking through LinkedIn. No, for sure. For sure. And I think, you know, that's an important piece, but like one of the things, you know, kind of transitioning last thing, I know you've got a crazy, crazy rest of your week. And I'm just so grateful that you've come onto the show today because you brought so much value I think one of the last things maybe we can discuss today is really about active listening. We talked a little bit about the discovery call. We talked about kind of how to be able to add, you know, some value, but like really listening to what prospects, like as a leader, how are you coaching for people that might not be the best active listeners? They've got other skills, of course, but how do you coach them on becoming a better active listener? Yeah. So I think something that's super helpful in this is just having a software like Gong where they can actually listen back. Because I remember when I was first selling, my first manager would have us just record the calls. I believe it was through, I don't know, some recording platform that was not very tech savvy, but we would record it. And I remember when I was listening back, I would just miss, I would have big gaps from what the client or prospect was saying to then what my next piece was. And it was just extremely eye-opening to actually hear, oh, I completely missed where they said they were growing the team by, you know, 10 people next year. Or I completely missed where they said that they really didn't care about this feature. And then I showed it to them later and, you know, wasted that precious time in that demo setting. So I think number one is just having the capacity and the capability to actually listen back. And number two, this is pretty basic, but I think just writing down what the person says. So as you are in the demo, as you are in the discovery call, just jotting down a couple different features or or things that the person is saying while you're talking has always been super helpful to me. So I always have my note up 
on my computer, even in one-on-ones. If someone says something in passing, I will go back to it. I think it's super important just to write that stuff down so you remember it. And at the end of the day, I feel like active listening, you know, translates to every part of your life. So, you know, your friendships, your relationships, everything like that. It's super important to, you know, genuinely listen to what the person is saying and process it and kind of repeat it back to them and dig in more to exactly what it is. So I I think it's something that'll benefit everyone in all aspects of their lives. Wow. Like you hit it right on the head. I think, you know, so many people today might miss those things that we, in our mind, it could be simple, but it's the repetition. It's really understanding an individual. And so like, you know, as we wrap up today, beyond the fact that like, you're an amazing sales leader, what comes in my mind is, hey, are you all unpacked at your place? Are you and your fiance, you know, are you and your fiance (laughs) thinking about those next things when you turn off at work? Like, are you planning, you know, what, X, Y, and Z is going to look like for the wedding. You know what I mean? Like as Mm -hmm. yes, like our titles, that's what we do for a living, but that's not who we are as people. So once again, sincerely from my heart, you know, thank you for joining the show, Jillian. Like it's truly been an honor getting to know you. And I look forward to continuing to build our virtual, you know, (laughs) relationship, I should say working relationship. Yeah. Thank you so much, David. And congrats again on the move to Orlando. That's super exciting. And yeah, super excited to have gotten to know you a little bit better and to continue chatting. Absolutely. And a quick note, we've got some awesome speakers coming up at the Sales Development Podcast. So please stay tuned and don't forget to sign up for the newsletter to get tactical tips and tricks that can help you and your team crush your quota. So until next time, this is David Denver and I'm signing out. Be well, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.